The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 24. I'm going to read some scripture there before we get into our message this morning. Okay, let's look at Joshua chapter 24. And just look at verse 14 with me. We read here, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up uh, and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this life which you've given us. And though it is sometimes difficult and Though it is sometimes painful and we may not understand everything that transpires throughout our life. We know and and, and trust and have confidence that you are in control of all things. And that you order our paths. So we ask that you would use us to glorify your name. To bring honor to yourself. Thank you Lord for everyone here. Uh, I pray you bless this time we have together this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> several, several weeks ago, a couple of months ago, I guess, we started a, I started a new series on, entitled Servants of the Living God. And <clears throat> we've discussed several different things. Uh, and and we gave you, I gave you some prerequisites uh, to serving God. That, that first, we must choose to serve God. We're not forced to serve God. We're expected but we're not forced. We must choose to serve God. I said that we must commit to serving God. Uh, serving God takes a commitment. It's not something that you can just haphazardly do. It takes discipline and you have to be committed and, and you have to purposefully live every moment of your life. And I said, thirdly, we must continue in our service to God. We must, must not uh, give up. We must continue throughout our lives, to be a servant of the Lord. Then, then we began looking at some attributes of service. I said, service will demand sacrifice. And uh, we even talked about the fact that at times we, 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 we find ourselves at odd, even against, even, uh, against members of our own family. And over the, over the 37, almost 38 years now that I've been in the ministry, there have been times... When I've had to stand against even my own family and the direction they wanted to go in order to, to do the right things and serve the Lord. 
I said, secondly, service will lead to suffering. And um, uh, many, many people who claim to believe in Christ, who claim to be Christians, um, when trouble comes, they give up because uh, they thought that it was just going to be an easy, smooth road. But uh, the world hated Christ and it hates us. And we will suffer. And we, that needs to be expected. I said, thirdly, service will result in selflessness. As we, as we serve God, we will be compelled to serve each other, to serve others. And this will cause us to live a life that is selfless. Not selfish, but selfless. Uh, number four, I said, a serving of God is faithful. And uh, we, we took a look at the, the qualities of being faithful and and those things, uh, a servant of God next, I said, is fearless. Uh, I think back upon all the great martyrs and the courage with which they stood and endured what they endured without fear, knowing whom they had believed and having confidence in God. Uh, I said that a servant of God is fervent. We are consumed by our passion to serve the Lord. I've had people, uh, listen, I, I, I work two jobs. I worked Monday through Friday uh, in San Rafael. Then I worked Friday night and Saturday night in Petaluma. And I'm here all day on Sunday. And, and I've had people tell me, well, man, you know, can't you skip church a Sunday? Can't you just? And I, they don't understand the passion that we have to serve God. It, it's, do, you, do you ever feel like, like, I mean, I've had some times here where I've just been so exhausted I couldn't even get out of bed to come to church. Uh, but don't you feel terrible when that happens? I mean, I, I lay at home and I think, man, I should be in church, you know. And, and we have a passion to do what we do. Uh, I said next, a servant of God maintains fellowship. We maintain fellowship with Christ. When, when, we, when we sin, when we do something wrong, and, and don't be mistaken, as you sit here, you sin, and you know you sin. We all sin. We don't want to, but we do. But... When we sin, we just, it, it breaks our fellowship with the Lord for that brief moment. And it just, it, it's a horrible feeling. And, and, and a true servant of God, a true child of God, cannot find peace or comfort in that circumstance. I said that for, uh, a servant of God is flexible. And, and of course, I, I stress that I'm not talking about uh, being, being open to, uh, to change, but I'm talking about flexible in that, if my will doesn't coincide with what God expects, then I change my will. But I always obey him. So I'm flexible in, in the fact that I am willing to do whatever he expects of me to do. I said next, a servant of God is focused. And uh, we, we don't get distracted. And you know, it's easy to get distracted. Young people get distracted all the time. Um, you know, I, I taught school for a long, many years and uh, they say that the attention span of a kindergartner is about is about two minutes, and the, the, the attention span of a fifth grader is about about five minutes. But then when they become teenagers, it goes back to two minutes. And and I can tell you this: when you reach my age, your attention span is very short as well. And uh, so you have to stay focused. You have to you have to stay focused on the important things in life. And then I said, next, a servant of God is forgiving. And um, we, don't, we don't walk around holding grudges. If someone has, 
If someone has wronged you, what does the Bible say? If someone has wronged you, forgive them. And forget about it. You know, isn't that what the Lord does when we do wrong? He forgives and he forgets. And, and we need to learn to do the same thing. So we're going to pick it up here today with number 11 on the list of attributes. And that is, a servant of God is a finisher. A servant of God is a finisher. In John chapter 19 and verse 30, we read, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 stated, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know, there isn't really a whole lot that needs to be said here. Those two scriptures pretty much sum it up. Jesus finished his work. He didn't didn't leave anything undone. I mean, even as he hung on the cross in torment beyond human imagination, he looked to the care of his mother. He looked, at, he looked at his mother and he looked at his disciple and said, Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. Jesus made sure he had taken care of everything before he gave up the ghost on the cross. He finished all that, was, that he had to do. Paul, the same thing. Paul was able to look at God and say, I have finished my course. Oh, I, I wish that I would be able to do that. I wish that when I stand before the Lord that I'd be able to say, Lord, I've, I've done all that you asked me to do. I, I, I left nothing undone. But, you know, I just don't think I'm going to be able to do that. I don't know about you. Maybe you can. But I know that over the last 37 years on that road behind me, there are some things that I left undone. But, you know, Paul said this. He said, forgetting those things which are behind. Listen, we learn lessons from the mistakes we made in life, but we don't dwell upon them. We we forget about those things because we can't change them. There's nothing I can do to go back and change the the mistakes I made. I can't do that. But there is one thing I can do. But this one thing I do, he said. Forgetting those things which are behind. What do you say? I push forward. I go forth. And, and that's what we can do. You and I today, we can go forward with a zeal and with a determination to finish the, the course that God has laid before us. Finish the work. Just finish. Don't quit. I shared this story before. When I was in high school, I was on the field and track team. And I ran, back then it was called a 440. Now it's called the 400 meters, but we ran it in yards, and it was called the 440. It was a quarter mile dash, and that's, that's what I ran. And one of our mile relay guys had gotten hurt. 
during the track meet. So the coach came to me and said, Dalton, I'm going to put you in there. Uh, all we have to do to win this track meet is all we have to do is finish. You don't have to win. You just need to finish. That's all you got to do. Can you do that? I said, I can finish, coach. Okay. So he put me in there, and he, as, it, as it turns out, because he didn't care about winning, he put me in the last leg of the mile relay. So the first three guys ran and come up to me, and I, get, and I, I'm, I was pretty tired at this point because this was the last race in the meet. And he gave me the baton, and I'm running, and I'm running, and I'm running, and I got down the backside, and I had a pain in my side, and I couldn't hardly breathe, and... I decided I was going to I was going to bail out and I was going to pretend to trip and fall off the track. And uh, I did. And I fell off the track, flew right into the hurdles. They were all stacked up along the side. I flew right into the hurdles and I still have a scar on my leg. I got a gash right there where the hurdles cut me. And I'm laying there on the field and and the, the trainers are there attending to my cut. And I see the coach coming across the field and he's wagging his head. And he got over and looked at me and said, you just couldn't finish, could you? You just couldn't finish. And he turned around and walked away. I felt so bad because we didn't win the track meet. I think we ended up in third place or something like that. But I quit. And that's a horrible feeling. All the way home on the bus ride, nobody sat next to me. And I was over there and everybody would look back at me and look the other way. It took weeks before my teammates would talk to me again because I quit. Now, how do you suppose you'd feel if you stood before the Lord and you quit? You, you quit. How do you think you'd feel when you look Jesus in the face who didn't quit, who finished, and, and have to say, well, Lord, it was really tough. You don't know how tough it was. Mm. He'll just show us the scars on his hand. You ever had... You ever had spikes driven through your, through your wrists? You ever had a spear thrust into your side? You ever had your legs broken? You ever, you ever suffered the, the torment of the cross? But he didn't quit and we shouldn't quit. Just don't quit. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes, For Demoth, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And here Paul gives a list of all the men who quit on him. Who gave up and, because it got too hard. And went home. Then he says, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. Do you know who Mark is? I'm sure you probably do. But let's go to Acts chapter 15. Let's all turn there together. Acts chapter 15. My fingers don't want to work this morning. Acts chapter 15, and let's look at verse 36. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the words of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from, uh, from them, 
from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. So here we see Paul did not want to take Mark because Mark had quit on them. But now, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, uh, Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Yes, Mark had forsaken Paul and Barnabas, but obviously he didn't utterly quit. He came back. He finished his work. Now, what does that tell me? Well, that tells me that you and I in our life might stumble and we might fall. And we might fall away from God for a short time. But uh, the, the, the sign of a true believer is that he will get back up. And that he will not quit. And he will not utterly forsake the Lord, but he will return to his father. Sort of like the prodigal son, right? He, he awakened in, in, the, in the foreign land and found himself feeding the swine. And, and he reasoned with himself, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? My father has many servants. I will go to him and I, I will confess to him that I have, that I have sinned and I've done wrong. And, and I will serve my father, not as his son, but as a hired servant. And we know the rest of the story. You see, Mark didn't quit. And now in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul, we see Paul state that he is profitable to me for the ministry. This, this is quite a contrast from Acts chapter 15, where Mark so discouraged Paul that Paul parted company with Barnabas. They split. And you know what's really sad is never again in scripture do we hear of Barnabas. So we have to be careful because it, we're not infallible. And if we don't do some of those things I said earlier, like staying focused and being faithful and being fervent, if we're not careful, we'll fall. And I know because I, I was a young buck. And I used to sit in the pews and I'd listen to messages about you got to be careful and you got to stay full. And I used to say, ah, that'll never happen to me. That won't happen to me. But I'll tell you this, over, the, over, the, over my journey, over the many years, I've had times when I've stumbled. I mean, I wish I could stand right here behind this pulpit this morning and tell you I've never even wavered. In the 38 years, 37, almost 38 years I've been in the ministry. I wish I could say I've never even, I've never even lost any faith. I've never, I've never stumbled. I've never, I've never fallen. But I can't do that. I can't. I'm sorry. Maybe you can, but I can't. Now I can say I've never forsaken the Lord. Because even in those times when I've fallen, I've, I've stayed faithful to serve. And, and, and this, by the way, it's that that brought me back. 
So remain faithful. Don't quit. Don't quit. Be a finisher. A servant of God is a finisher. Number 12. A servant of God is content. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Paul states, not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul said, whether, whether I've, I'm abounding or whether I'm abased, whether I'm in need or I'm in plenty, whether I'm sick, whether I'm healthy, whether I'm in prison, whether I'm free. Paul said, whatever is happening around me, I'm content. I'm content. Now, I'm not talking about being happy. I'm talking about being content. Do you know you can, you can be miserable yet content? You can be very unhappy and at the same time be content. So we're not talking about happiness. You see, see that's where most Christians mess up. Instead of worrying about, instead of learning to be content, they're looking, they're trying to be happy. And happiness is an illusion, by the way. <laughs> because what makes you happy might make me sad. And what makes me happy might make you sad. You understand what I'm saying? Happiness is a relative emotion. But contentment is, is, is a constant. Being content. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul writes, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. We need to learn that no matter what's going on around us, we need to remember that heaven is our home, Christ is our king, and nothing can change that. Oh, we, listen, we're going to die. That, that's, that's foregone. We're going to die. Now, we all hope that it's a peaceful passage. None of us want to suffer tremendously on the way there. But if that's the will of the Father, then so be it. We need to learn to be content and, and learn to be happy just to do the will of the Father. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, uh, we read, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, as I've stated in previous lessons, there is a fundamental difference between being a slave and a servant. A slave is a person who is held against his own will. He is forced to labor at his master's will and beckoning. But a servant is not so. A servant chooses to serve his master. A servant is not held against his own will. A servant chooses to serve his own master. I'd like for you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21. 
And let's look. Oh, I'm in Leviticus. Let's look at Exodus chapter 21. We're going to start right at verse number one. If I can get there. And we read beginning at verse one. Now, these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. And in the seventh, he shall go out free uh, for nothing. Now, now, this is a servant, not a slave. Okay, so if you hire a servant, if you take a man under 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 your under wages to serve you, he will labor. The, the scripture says he'll labor labor for six years, and on the seventh year he's free. He goes out free. Verse three: If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married. Then his wife shall go out with him. If his master uh, have given him a wife and she hath uh, borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my, wa- my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door, or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his, his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. So, this, let's say you, you come under the employment of a man, and you, you contract to, to serve him for six years. And... You, you come in unmarried, and, but while you're there, you fall in love with one of his other servants and you marry her. The master says, yes, I'll, I'll allow you two to marry. You marry her and then she bears children to you. And it's the end of the sixth year and the master comes over and says, okay, here's your contract back. You're done. See you later. And he says, well, master, I love you. I love serving you. I love my wife and I love my children. I don't want to leave them. I want to continue to serve you. The master is to take him to the, to the city gate with the judges there and put his earlobe up against the doorpost and take a, an awl or a, 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 like a, a chisel, put it there and pop right through the ear, pierce his ear. And that is a sign that he freely submits himself to serve his master. He chooses to serve his master. He chooses to obey, honor, and fulfill fulfill his master's every wish. It is the servant's pleasure to do the will of the master, and such should be you and me today. We choose to serve Now, we are expected to serve. But God hasn't chained us, has he? He, We're not slaves, are we? We're servants. But we can go free if we choose. But we choose to serve. We choose to stay. And and to continue. Uh, We're right there in Exodus. Let's, let's, oh well, actually, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. All the way to the other end. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 
chapter 6. I said it's the servant's pleasure to do the will of the master. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Let's begin in verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Did you see that? He said, doing the will of God from the heart. You see, the true servant of the living God is happy to obey. He is happy to serve. He is happy to walk in Christ's righteousness. He is content to serve. I stated the last time we met a couple of weeks ago that I have known people over the past 37 years who left the church because they felt they were mistreated. Or they feel like they did not get the attention that they wanted or deserved. But the servant of Christ, the true servant of Christ, he or she is content to stay in the shadows and let Christ be magnified and glorified. Now, you know, I'm standing here this morning and I'm teaching, but I would prefer to be sitting right where you are and, and, and being taught too. Um, I, when I first got saved, you know, I, I tell people there was only two things I wanted to do. When I got saved, I wanted to go to church and tithe. That's it. Those are the only two things I wanted to do. Go to church and tithe. But one day, the pastor of that church came up and said, you're leading singing tomorrow. What? I'm doing what? I, I only knew one song. He said, well, then sing that song. But, but when I was a boy, I went to choir in the Catholic church and they kicked me out. I, I, I never wanted to lead singing. I, I said, okay, I'll do it until you find someone else. He said, okay. That was 37 years ago. They still haven't found someone else. <laughs> and I know there's someone else that can sing. You know, sometimes we're called on to serve. Sometimes we're, we're put in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a position where we are out in front of everyone. And, 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 and if we do find ourselves there, humble should we be. And thankful to the Lord should we be. But I'm here this morning not to glorify myself. I'm here today to teach the word of God and glorify the Father in our hearts and minds. So we're content. We should be content to, to stay in the shadows and to serve there. Be content with the ministry that God has given you. Husbands, love your wives. Love your wife. Keep your eyes on her. And keep them off anybody else. And keep your hands off anybody else too. Fulfill that ministry of a husband. Care for her. Provide for her. Take care of her. 
That ministry you have as a father. Fulfill that ministry. Be content. Love your children. Don't ever go up to your kid and say, why can't you be more like the kid down the street? Well, shame on you. You know what? He's probably not like the kid down the street. Never will be. Because he's somebody else. Love him. Husbands, love your wives. Father. Now, here's the thing. Discipline your children. You know, you don't actually find a verse in Scripture where it says, Husbands, love your children. Now, we do love our children, but you know what? God knows that the dad has to discipline his kids, and there are going to be times when the kids won't love you. My daddy, dad was, my dad was a disciplinarian. And daddy wasn't, if someone, I could imagine someone coming up to my father and saying, Now, Mr. Hepshire, aren't you afraid you might damage his self-esteem? My daddy would have said, I don't care a thing about his self-esteem. It's his character I'm worried about. Father, discipline your children. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying God doesn't want us to love our children. Of course, we should love our children. But we need to be disciplinarians. We need to discipline them. Draw lines and make expectations and make sure they meet those. And if they don't, my grandpa used to always tell me, make the, punish, make the punishment fit the crime. You know, you don't have, everything doesn't deserve a spanking. But some things do. But, but use discipline wisely. I was talking with one of the men at church. I, I, I'm sorry, at work the other day. And I was explaining to him how my daddy made my brother and I get up every morning at 6.30. Every day. Summer. School, didn't matter. 6.30, every morning. Dad came in, turned the lights on. Get up! We had to get out of bed, get dressed, and be sitting at the breakfast table before Daddy left for work. And he gave each of us a list of chores. Those had to be done before anything else was done. And he did that every day, Monday through Sunday. I don't even need an alarm clock. I don't need an alarm clock. I, I'm out of bed every morning by 4.30. You know what dad was doing? He was trying to teach us that you have to get, get up and go to work. Now my sisters could sleep till 8 o'clock. But I never asked dad why. I just accepted it. I could go on and I need to stop. Be content. Be content and glorify and magnify Christ in all things that you do. Philippians chapter 1. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That was the philosophy of Paul. That should be the philosophy of all of us today. All right, folks, I have to stop. Uh, We'll pick it up next time uh, again with point number 13. Have a good day and thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 
or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.